questions later then so I don't mow Clint's lawn like he did on the last time we interviewed somebody. <laughs> Whatever. Hey everybody, welcome to the World's Okay Mountain Bike Podcast. I almost forgot what I was supposed to say right there. So today we've got the whole usual crew back. Ryan's back with us this week. And we've got a guest that uh like I would include him in the duo with Alex Scott as far as people who are helping make Missouri mountain biker dreams come true. His name's Dave Elkin. He'll tell us a lot more about himself, but the, the quick version is he's with Big Mountain Enduro. And uh, before we say anything else, I have a question for you, Dave. Far away. Uh, out of a percentage, 1 to 100, how much credit do I get personally for getting Big Mountain Enduro in Missouri? Go. Let's Already. let's just go ahead and Clint. I he doesn't get a bigger head, Dave. Be careful with how you answer this. I, I think we. He is the one who called me, and this may be what two years ago. I bet it's two years ago. No, couldn't it? No, would have been the 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 conversations about the conversation. The very first conversation I had with anybody down in the Arcadia Valley in yeah. Ironton was I believe in June of last year. So from from no park, no nothing, nobody knowing anything right. to getting a signed contract with Big Mountain Enduro was about fourteen, fifteen months. Okay, so maybe yeah. not quite two years, so call it a year and a half. But Clinton yep. Clinton reached out reached out to me, um, told me about the um um bike park coming up in Ironton and and of course <laughs> Based on what I see being built out there, I'm skeptical. And um, I start to see the pictures come out. I started to see the buzz. Um, you know, I think the success of the Chubb Enduro was, was awesome. It was so great to, to, to be a part of that event and, and to see the, the buzz and to see uh, everybody racing it, and, and the, including myself in those types of conditions. And, um, uh, boy, to finally get down to Ironton and ride that trail, it was it's the real deal. Really neat. So, rounding numbers, a hundred. We are we at a hundred percent or close thereabouts. I'll give you a hundred percent. We wouldn't have been. We wouldn't. <laughs> Thank you. We, Thank you. Oh God, you just we ruined our podcast. True story. Clinton and I spoke, and um, it's been. You know, I do a lot of riding in St. Louis. I, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I've been back there recently, uh, probably, what, 2016. I've been – I commute there now for work, and I ride a lot of the stuff around there, and, and there's so much potential. I just see trails getting built, and I'm going, man, why isn't it going there? Why isn't it going there? And I get it. I get – St. Louis has come a long way. Missouri's come a long way, but not long a long way enough – to do something like we're discussing right now, and here we are. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. So, so step back before Clinton's question. You know, David. Uh, obviously, you're with Big Mountain Enduro, and and uh, so the listeners understand what's what's happening with with having you on the pod and, and what's going on. Kind of give us the rundown on yourself, and and uh, maybe start from square one before Clint's head got big. Wow. Well, let me. I just uh, wanted uh, to go ahead and just get it over with. <laughs> ripped the band-aid on. I told you guys when I still lived in Texas, did I or did I not say specifically that my goal 
was to be the director of good times for Southeast Missouri Mountain Biking. You did. You did. I'll give you that. My exact words. You did. You definitely claimed that early. Okay. I set a goal, and even though I had no real ability of, of doing the work myself, I did the one thing I know how to do, and that's talk to people. And you just got to talk to enough of the right people. Dream school true. Okay, Dave. Now it's all you, buddy. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you the short version so I don't bore anyone. But I, I, uh, I, I put my first leg over a mountain bike uh, at Castlewood in probably 1991 or 92 with Jeff Powell and, and some friends. You guys all know Jeff Powell from uh, Wheels Up with Cody. And, and he and I have been friends for a long time. I raced uh, cross-country, moved out raced cross-country all through the Midwest, and then moved out to Colorado in 1996. I've been here ever since. I got involved in mountain bike race promotion in 1999-2000 with the Mountain States Cup, which at the time, if you wanted to race, lift, serve, downhill racing, you had to do the Mountain States Cup. It was the only game in town. Um, in fact, Eric Jean, who... Um, is, is just a, a, a pioneer in my mind. Uh, he ran the Mountain States Cup uh, for years, and he's responsible for a lot of the first downhill lift serve trails that you see in Colorado, whether it be Telluride, whether it be Angel Fire, uh, Keystone, Snowmass, where I, where I uh, uh, really was involved in a lot. Um, and then... It kind of dissolved with the bike park. Bike parks changed mountain biking. Uh, it really put a damper on the what we call downhill mountain bike racing. You didn't need to do a race anymore. You could just go to a bike park. And we were kind of struggling to find the sport in America, if you want my honest opinion, from about 2007 to 2010. And then enduro starts to creep in. And I remember, I remember sitting... Uh, we were trying to figure out what, I, at the time now I worked for Snowmass, Aspen Snowmass, Colorado. I worked for the municipality of Snowmass and I was tasked with, you know, bringing events and cool things to the village in the summertime and try to maximize heads and beds and re revenue. And Mountain States Cup was always a big revenue generator for us. It went away. We needed to find something new and we started to dabble in enduro. And we had our own vision of what Enduro is. I remember working with Buck Erickson with the Aspen Skiing Company. He's the event director there and um, great guy, awesome to work with, responsible for us being involved with Enduro World Series. And we had our own version of what Enduro should be. The Euros had their version of what Enduro should be. And we can talk about that later, but to make a long story short, uh, after one or two years, I realized that our way was not the right way, and the Euro version of what EWS is was the right way. And I, we started to work with Big Mountain Enduro in Snowmass and Aspen, and I worked for the municipality, and I guess Big Mountain Enduro was my client. We moved along. We ended up hosting two Enduro World Series back-to-back -back events in 15 and 16, I believe. I got to be very involved with both those events from, um, from selecting courses to learning how to uh, route trail and route courses like they like to see. Boy, that was really neat. And then I left Snowmass in 2016 and I to do what I do now, which is the exciting world of real estate. But I always loved mountain bike racing and being involved. 
and Brandon Ontiveros with Big Mountain Daryl called me up and asked me if I wanted to be involved with BME, and here we are. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, we've been kind of known as a Colorado series, and when Brandon went to Big Sky for the first time in 2018, no, 2019, a light bulb kind of went off and I said, why are we keeping this thing in Colorado? We, we should be showcasing the best enduro courses available in a given region. And that's what we're trying to model this, this year's five race series off of. Uh, we want to go to the, to what we think are the best, what we perceive as the best enduro courses in a given area. So, uh, does that sum it up? I hope well, it's, and it's I'm awesome. sure I'm sure that it was obvious in your mind from the beginning that naturally that would take you to Missouri. I mean, <laughs> right? You're gonna you're talking downhill mountain bike stages. Obviously, the Midwest well, is top of the well, list. <laughs> Chub, Chub Trails always had a special place in my heart. I mean, it is an amazing location to ride a bike. It has been forever, but with modern bikes now, it really brings that trail to life. And I, the first time I went to Chubb in 2016, after not riding it for many, many years, I remember riding it with Jeff and, um, uh, boy, I forgot who I was, I was with, but I said, boy, this could be, it could be a BME, but this could absolutely be a legit enduro. And, uh, it was, and it was, and, 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 and believe it or not, trying to get that enduro done was really a stepping stone to seeing how well it would be received in that region which gave me the confidence to really push Ironton. Um, so I felt I, I was just ecstatic that we were able to pull off the Chubb Enduro and everybody had a great time and the courses were incredible. And, um, but Missouri, look, I know Missouri. You get down there, you don't – I just had a conversation with hopefully our fifth venue, which I was hoping to announce here tonight, but I'm not going to get to do that. Um, but he goes, do we have the, the quantity? And I said, it's not quantity, it's quality. Yes, you need the vert, but at the end of the day, 600 vert can be excellent if it's managed right. So yeah. um, it's not always about quantity, it's quality, and Chubb is quality. It really is, and, and, and so Missouri has that, and when you get further south by you guys, you have the vert to complement the quality. And it just needs to be capitalized on. It just needs to be uh, clean. It needs to be built, man, and that's what you guys are doing. You're actually building what we need to see for enduro racing. So there's some things I want to touch on tonight. Now we've got some background, so I kind of want to. Here's some topics I want to. I want to kind of touch on or like, from your perspective, for someone who's experienced with these with EWS, even um, you've had some hands on and some events there. Be me. I want to talk about sort of like your opinion on the state of the sport, what makes an ideal enduro course. Um, you know, you mentioned the bike park thing kind of changing and in a way kind of killing downhill, which you would think wouldn't be the case. You, My assumption would be almost the opposite, but I, I get what you're saying. And I even want to nerd out a little bit about, you know, what's the ideal enduro bike um, sure, we can go down. And, I could take the and, camera. We can look at mine. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, philosophies <laughs> out there on on what you want, and I guess a lot of that depends on where you live and where you race. Um, Absolutely. So let's just start kind of big. We'll we'll start big and then we'll narrow down to the specifics. But sort of big picture, what 
from your perspective, you know, what sort of is the state of enduro in general as it relates to maybe the whole mountain biking industry? Because enduro, you know, races that have that label, they're all over now. I mean, mm-hmm. you can find one just about every state, it seems like, uh, except other, you know, especially any states um other than in the in the central plains and maybe Illinois, I mean, if there's if there's a 200 foot hill to be found, I think you can find an enduro just about anywhere. There's enduro in Alabama, there's enduro in Ohio, there's enduro in Wisconsin, there's enduro in Missouri and Arkansas and Texas and obviously Tennessee and you know the places in the Appalachians. But it, it almost you know if someone says, hey, I'm going to go do a motocross race. I know exactly what I'm getting into, more or less, right? Like, I'm taking the same bike. I'm not messing with it. I'm going to a motocross track. I know it's going to have some ruts. It's going to have some jumps. It's it's the same sport everywhere. Maybe the dirt's a little different. But Enduro, man, um, I was just at one in Tennessee this past weekend, and we'll, we'll have to talk about what happened to me there later, boys. But you couldn't be more opposite. Like saying I'm going to an enduro in where I went in Tennessee, it's Sequatchie at the Trials Training Center, or even Ironton, versus I'm going to an enduro uh, in Bentonville, Arkansas. It's like totally different sports. Um, so what do you think's kind of going on? Do we need you know more categories or people to be a little more specific? I don't know. What, what's your deal with the, the state of the sport? Well, all right somewhat of a loaded question because enduro has never really been adopted by the federation usa cycling they've tried uh the uci is working a little bit with um uh ews and i'm not going to get into the good and bad of having the sport managed by the federation the beauty of Enduro is it's been so grassroots. It's been backcountry. It grew from backcountry racing. It it is a it is basically from the motorcycle world where you don't time the boring stages, you time the fun stages. And in mountain bike racing, the fun stages happen to be the descending stages, right? In our in our world, that's that's what we like to do. So you know the essence of Enduro came out away from the bike parks. It was supposed to be um, a three-day, four-day backcountry event like we did in Crested Butte years ago where you're riding from downtown Crested Butte and you're going all the way up to Star Pass and then you're racing down Star Pass. And then, I mean, you're talking 3,000 transfers. And um, that was the essence of of, of, um, Enduro. And... EWS, and frankly, to our own fault, BME, we've evolved to a point where we have to find this balance between we have the pro the pro field, the industry is, enduro racing is driving all the bikes you're seeing right now. But we're also losing these types of courses that can be raced. Um, they're not being built. They're not being maintained. And in some places, they're being reclaimed. And so we have this interesting dynamic at the EWS level, and I don't want to speak for them, but I, I, I feel that we're kind of in the same boat, domestically at least. We not only need a place like that offers trails like Ironton, 
right? We also have to have a place that has infrastructure and can handle a pro-level event, which requires a lot. I mean, so much of the media and the content is coming out of Enduro, right? Pink by Vital MTV. And so we have to be able to offer a service. We, we can't really be as backcountry as we want to be, but we also don't want to be bike park. And we, we're, we're, we're balancing, we're balancing this. Um, so I would say to go back to your original question, the, the beauty of Enduro is it doesn't have to be categorized. It could easily be on a, a flow trail. If that's all you have, the essence of Enduro is transition the boring stuff, ride the fun stuff. If, if the most fun stuff in your region or the most challenging stuff in your free region happens to be, um, you know, more flow trail or, or more, more, um, more trail like that, then, then that's what it is. What we need to do here in the States is we need to start. Um, I, I think, I think the series across the country have created names for themselves to where enduro racers know kind of what they're getting into when they go to an enduro. And that's, so normally it'd be on the promoter to get that, that word out. In Enduro, I feel it's the racer's job. And, I, and, and take, take this with a grain of salt. It's, it's up to the racer. Not only does the racer have to go practice and study the maps because they're not out until the week before and do research, it's on them to know if they're getting in over their head. And so I, I think it's up, to the, it, it's up to the racer and the community to steer you Clinton or, or me or whomever into the, into the right series. Is Bentonville a better starting spot for one racer? And then is going to Winrock a better, uh, 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 you know, a whole other animal, right? And those series go with that. And I, and I, and I think that's what BME is. What we're trying to do with BME is when people sign up for a BME, they know they're getting the closest thing to a, a world class course in that area. Does that help? Yeah, so, so so if you sign up and, and, and this may cost me a registration or two, but if you sign up for Ironton BME, you're not you're you're not getting zombie trail, right? You're not getting one of one of those types of trails. You're getting you're not getting two thousand vert of Big Sky, but you're getting six hundred vert of Big Sky. And let me tell you what, Big Sky is whoa, that's the real deal, right? So yeah, a few people of the they found out um, <laughs> just making a visit a couple down of times there. Even. Yeah, we've had a few people find out. So um, it's I guess to sum up, it's not really it's really up to the rider and to do some research before they sign up for an event. And I mean, you would do that anyway if you were signing up for a cross country race. You would go, oh, is Barry is the Berryman Epic too much for me? Uh, 50 miles uh, might be too much for me. Should I maybe try on something over here? Right. And I, and I think all the series do a pretty good job with their photos and the buzz on their web, on their websites to really get across what they are and who they cater to. Right. You know, I heard a guy say back when I lived in Houston was really just starting to ride. Um, we were at some, some dirt jumps and, uh, I was just asking. I didn't really know much about Enduro. I just heard of Enduro, and this guy's name was Emmett Bonner, and I think he's a really good rider, and he had lived in Europe before, and I mentioned it to him, and he's like, Enduro is the dumbest 
name that the fact that we named that sport, he's like, it is mountain biking. It's what mountain biking always was. Ride to the top, ride down as fast as you can with your buddies. Like, yeah, yeah. Ride the ride the ride the slow stuff slow, the fast stuff fast, and then try to enjoy it. Well, I, I like I like to joke here. You know, like I'm I'm forty. I'm 43 now, and uh, it, it, it's funny when you get to like 30, you, you're kind of like, okay, in, in the mountain bike world, what what is? I, okay, I'm tired of cross country racing. Okay, am I gonna get my kicks off going to single speed hardtail and making it more difficult, or am I gonna go the downhill enduro route? I discovered Whistler in 2006. I came back home from Whistler. I threw everything away. <laughs> I, I, was, I was absolutely hooked. And then in about 2009, you know, I, I was like, well, what's a race? I really wanted to compete again. I really want to compete again, but I don't want to hear the words three, two, one, go and hammer up a dirt road again. Enduro, this sounds cool. I might want to do enduro. I like climbing to the top. I just don't want to race to the top. <laughs> And, and so I, w- I was absolutely hooked on enduro, and I think that's why you see a lot of our uh, categories, especially when we first started going, were the 30- to 40-year-old categories were huge. They still are big, but, boy, were they big right off the gate, way bigger than the juniors because the kids were still racing um, some downhill and cross-country. But uh, now, of course, our Groms and our expert categories, our, our U21 category is massive. Um, but uh, well, even even in the even in the pro circuit too, you kind of see that. Like, I, I hate to put it this way. I mean, I'm gonna get slapped virtually for saying it this way, but like, enduro racing is almost even like a retirement ground for World Cup downhill racers. I mean, you see guys like Sam Hill kind of make it past their prime in downhill and end up being complete phenoms racing enduro. And you, know, you see, you've seen it in the women's side too. Yeah, but you've also seen it go I, the I, other I, way. Like Martin Mays won a. World Cup DH last year, and he's been so, full-time enduro uh, for a couple of years. So yeah, yeah. And, and, in the past couple of years, like I, I've seen enduro kind of become its own, completely its own thing, where people are, you know, training, focusing their careers around racing enduro. Whereas up until about three or four years ago, uh, you kind of saw a lot of that transition of guys that age out of downhill end up being really competitive racing enduro still. So I'll agree. I'll I'll agree with you in the very first part of enduro. I completely agree. Once the industry started to bring the real money to enduro <laughs> then the it's just like the mountain bikers in the uh early 90s who went to road because of the money or the road riders who went to mountain biking because of the money actually i'm reversing it right in, in the late night late 80s and early 90s everybody was going from road to mountain um enduro in its early st- stages was like that and then Probably about, I would say, 2015, 2016 is where you really started seeing money right. being spent heavily in enduro, where the, the industry is asking their racers to go and ride enduro now as part of their contractual ob- ob- obligations. I mean, Sam Hill, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, someone Google this, but didn't Sam Hill prove a point that he could win a World Cup downhill on his enduro rig? Well, he raced world champs in 20, like it was 2018, yeah. he raced world champs on his enduro bike. I think he ended up seventh, cause the, but he said the course was kind of like, it, it wasn't as extreme 
as some of the others. Right. Uh, so he raced. He just raced his enduro race bike on. I think he got six, sixth or seventh, something like that. But the yeah, funny part is, the funniest part about that whole thing is that if you look at the segment, like the splits, I remember because I watched it. Yeah. He lost most of his time to the guys who beat him in the flat pedal section at the bottom. Well, but he never pedals. <laughs> like so, he's so funny. even on his enduro bike. He was still faster on the downhill parts and then lost it in the pedaling. Right. <laughs> no. But I, anyway, um, uh, I, I hope that answers the, the question a bit. I, I, I think it, enduro, um, in, enduro racers need to do their homework before they sign up. And I think that there's so much information out there um, to figure out if, if, um, um, if this is a good place to start or if you should start someplace a little bit more tame. Um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> you got something to say, Ryan? Yeah, maybe it's story time for Dave here. <laughs> so. Ryan, why don't you give Dave a rundown of your enduro career because it won't take long. <laughs> three races, I finished one. Just leave it at that. Hey, I, I fractured three ribs on the one on the course I designed for uh, Chubb. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I did three enduros. The very first one uh, crashed on day two, broke my shoulder. The third one I finished, but that was there's a little asterisk there. And then uh, yeah, the third one uh, broke my pelvis. So uh, my wife says my enduro racing days are done. <laughs> I, I, always, I I think the best advice I ever got from enduro, and I and I and I want to say it came from, and I, I'm gonna give her credit, Sarah Raleigh, who's uh. Uh, been a friend of mine a long time. She's been involved with mountain biking um, for a long, long time. Remember, I remember before I got into my first race, I, I, she goes, she goes, just race ninety percent, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, you know, because like if you go out there and you chase one Strava time, you're going a hundred and ten percent, and you're being stupid, right? That's but my if problem. You back it off. If you back it off, the night you shut your dirty mouth about Strava. You don't talk about Strava that way. <laughs> Not on this podcast. Sorry. I, I, am, I, am, I am Nitro, Lord of the Strava assholes. <laughs> you, you know, David, it, it's interesting. You said a, a bit ago about, you know, just knowing what you're signing up for and, uh, and then, you know, taking that time to, to, to understand the, the course and the trail and, and once they give the maps out, you know, and, and that's huge. And that's been my downfall, you know, with, with Enduro Racing is, I, I feel like I'm a pretty skilled, better than average skilled rider. But if you don't know what's coming, you don't, you, you know, and you and you just send it 100 and 110, 130 nitro percent, right? Yeah. Like you're gonna, it's gonna spell disaster. So you know that that's kind of the thing, especially with what I'm hearing about Ironton, and hopefully maybe here in the next week or two I can get down and check it out myself. But you need to know what you're signing up for, you know. Yes. Yes. Maybe we should do. A, maybe we'll do a pod here. Maybe around January, February, we kind of do like a preview of the Missouri series, which Ironton's going to give points. You know, you're going to, if you race the BME in Ironton, you'll get points for the Missouri series as well. Because um, all the, there's, I think there's four, four races, and they're all very different places. Um, they are all not like the others at all. So maybe we might, if we're going to talk about trying to help people figure out if they should race or not, you know. 
well, and, 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 and that's huge. You, you make a very good point. They're all different. One thing we like to do in our series, but more importantly, in, an, in, in a given location is balance, right? You want balance. So you want a stage that tests endurance a little bit. You want a pedally stage. You want maybe a smoother stage. I don't believe tabletop. I come from the the the. the I, I don't believe tabletops and man-made jumps belong in an enduro. It's okay to have like a Hollywood hit at a finish line, but I just don't believe there's certain parts of flow trail that don't belong in an enduro. But that's my own personal belief. Um, the, tra- the trail should be as raw as possible. Um, but at the end of the day, it's okay to have pedal pedally stages. It's okay to have crazy steep stages. It's okay to have um, uh, even a small climb in a stage. It's it's all it's all about balance. You don't want you don't want a a, a sick. What are we doing? Five stages in Ironton. We don't want all five stages to to be won by um, somebody who didn't have to throw a pedal stroke. That's not enduro, right? And, yeah. and, and on the same time, like, like take Winter Park. We, we got um, at Winter Park this past year, we did three lift serve inbounds stages, but we did one big pedal transfer backcountry stage out by Eye of the Tiger. And it wasn't the most popular, but when people came in after doing the four stages at Winter Park, they go, you know what? That was awesome. Because Winter Park's one of those places where it's very, I bet you guys know Winter Park as well as I do. I mean, everyone, <laughs> hell, you should, but it's a great area. Yeah, you should. <laughs> it's, you've got people who don't even need to practice Winter Park because they ride it every single day. And so we, we needed we needed to do something off off the map, right? That's just that's and terrible so, that there would be people that I just can't uh, – people who ride where they're going to race every day to get a local advantage. They make me sick. I can't so think of anybody we, who oh, would ever do that. Well, Winter Park is one of those places that, I mean, look, you can make that argument if you were going to Big Sky, where a lot of us travel there and there's a smaller local contingent riding the trails. Winter Park might as well be, I mean, Winter Park is is Chicago for mountain biking. It is, it's busy all the time. Everybody's ridden Winter Park at least once. I'm not going to say... 100%, but I mean, it's 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 just one of those locations that everybody knows, so it's it's a little more fair, but we, we still want to make sure we throw something that balances it, that gives it a backcountry feel. All of our surveys, year in and year out, say we need to do more backcountry stages, less lift serve, um, all of that good stuff, and that's what we're trying to do for 20, uh, 2021, is, uh, is balance, more more balance. So, and that also goes across the whole series. So like, um, the first two, the first two events, Ironton and Glorietta, New Mexico, which ironically are both Jagged Axe, uh, trail networks. Um, both those are going to have crazy amounts of climbing. It's awesome. And then from there we go to big sky, which will be a lot of lift serve and then winter park, which is a lot of lift serve. So we're even, we're, we're balancing both. Right. And, and um, that's really what I like to see in enduro is if you is if you throw in two smooth stages that are pedally, then you better have two stages where I don't have to throw a pedal, a pedal stroke, right? Yeah. So, so kind of transition segueing off of that, this has been an interesting question for me. Um, 
I sent an article to Ryan and Kyle a couple weeks ago, and it was uh, from Enduro MTB magazine, which is actually a German magazine, uh, but they do English issue. And they were testing. They did a pretty. They did it in a pretty good way. They got either actual EWS race bikes or replicas as close as possible to to some they couldn't uh, they couldn't get their hands on from, they, from EWS pros. Yeah. So they had like Jack Moyers Canyon. Um, mm-hmm. They had a Richie Rude replica, except it still had the 30, a thirty six on it. Um, they had, uh, you know, they couldn't get a team bike from Trek, but they had a Slash Nine Nine. They had like mm-hmm. a lot of bikes, um, and they did a testing where they they randomized who got to ride what first and lift serve, and they're basically like, okay, what's the fastest bike, and. It was interesting to me that, I mean, I know the geometry is is right there on par, but for literally every single rider in the test, they went fastest on the Yeti SB150, um, and and then second fastest on like the Canyon and third fastest on the Nuke Proof, which are like the three most, I guess you could say, well, the, the SB150 had the shortest rear travel out of all those. Um, it was only 150, 160 with the 36. Um, but the geometry, on they had a medium Yeti. The Canyon, they said, you know, the angles aren't extreme. It's not incredibly slack or long. Same with the Nuke Proof. They actually all went faster than they did on, like, the Specialized Enduro, which is 170, 180, or 170, 170. And it's bigger. And the new Trek is bigger. and uh, slack. So longer. Yeah, so they actually... going, yeah. They actually were doing better on the more conservative bikes. Um, you know, that's been a debate in my own mind. Like, do I keep the bike I've got, try to get the new one, as new are always better? So, so if you're racing somewhere with a variety of courses, I think it seems like Enduro's going – like the bikes the manufacturers are putting out. You mentioned the bike park earlier. It's almost like they're making bikes for these – more wide open downhill fast not super tight flow trails maybe like they're almost making like down they they really are making this is a downhill bike you can pedal but it's they're getting they're trying to mimic like a true downhill bike more and more and more and more i don't know if that's right but it's what way it seems to me so what Everything I'm going to say here is my opinion. My opinion is that Enduro is the Enduro bike might be losing its way a little bit. What I mean by that is when Enduro started, it was about a one quiver bike. All right. You're buying one bike to pedal on your big day and to take it to the bike park. But what happened with the one bike quiver and, and, and whatnot is your bike started to get kind of plain. Everybody was kind of doing the same thing because of weight, right? And now with the with the, the highest level at EWS, their courses are flat out fall lined. It, it's, it's like what we like to do wherever possible, right? Our our courses really cater towards a a big hit long wheelbase, heavier bike. Well, once a heavier bike became became a uh, 
became um, acceptable, well, floodgates open. Now you're seeing a ton of innovation, I think, because weight doesn't necessarily matter like it used to. Um, but I still think you've lost because of that the one quiver bike. Now you've got to have the down country. You've got to have the tra- – and that's all great for the industry. But it loses kind of the the niche that made Enduro bike what it was, which was a one quiver bike. Um, I still believe in that. So I ride uh, a bike um, that's uh, – my goal was to make it light and not have over-travel. And I, and I think – I think when I when I say over travel, I, I think for the average, not even the average person, I think even the best rider, there's too much travel on the bike. You a Richie Rude is so powerful, upper body, lower body. I mean, he is is basically weightlifting the bike, well at least bench pressing it all the way down the courses. And the 150 rewards that type of rider. You know, I can't ride like that, so I ride a bike that's a little more adapted, a little more adapted to my riding style. And rewards what I'm good at. So I, 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 I guess to your to your point, I agree with you. I, I don't think you need as much travel and as much weight as we're seeing on the bikes for the um, for for the typical enduro course that we're seeing domestically here in the U.S. How's that? Well, the big thing, the big thing too, is like forever, like to me, like enduro racing to me was real mountain biking. You know, it wasn't, it it wasn't that like niche weapon kind of thing. Whereas either you had a dual crown downhill bike or you had a 19 pound hardtail 29 or cross country bike, like enduro racing was what, when you could race your big, your backcountry bike. I mean, that was yeah. the place that the, the bike that you ride 90% of the time is the bike that's most effective in racing. And that was kind of the, that kind of the idea to me too. So exactly my point. Yep. So I, I'll, I'm gonna, I might mow Clinton's lawn here, but I'm going to ask, are, are you a diehard 29er guy, or do you feel that there is a place for 27.5 wheels? I, I saw a comment that you made in a public forum about Iron Mountain, or Ironton, and I'm kind of going to ask you to expand on that a little bit, about yep. thinking that maybe a 27.5 wheel would make sense out there. If it, if it was wet, absolutely. If, if it was wet, now I, we haven't gotten a chance to ride all of the courses, so I, I, I don't know. But from what I've seen, I bet a 27.5, especially if there was damp ground, would absolutely be competitive and might even win there. Tell me why. Well, generally, the one place you hear 27.5 continue to excel is wet, root, slimy, rocky, steep. Um, not having to throw a lot of pedals, right? Um I mean, here in Colorado, I, I am exponentially faster on a 29er than I am a 27.5 because we, 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 have to, we have to pedal a lot. And then you have to start pedaling. I think a 29er, especially a guy like me, I'm, what am I, barely 5'7 and, and 150 pounds? I need all the help I can get, right, to, to, to maintain momentum. But Ironton is so, is, 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 is so steep, it's so tight, and if it's wet – Boy, I just a 29er is going to get away from you. I think does that? Um, yeah, no, I so, can see that. Sounds I, great. I, that sounds I, great I, to I, me because I, I ride I ride a 27.5 bike and I have for the past four years and I and I am a diehard. No, I'm not going to call myself a weight meanie, but I won't I won't ride a bike that's more than 30 pounds. And so like my bike my bike's 30 pounds on the nose. Yeah, yeah, but I mean it's my, my my bike's like 30 pounds on the nose with pedals, you know, and a 27.5 bike, and I, I I couldn't picture having more fun on anything else. 
Well, well, so so you said the keyword fun, right? Twenty-seven five. I I I don't enjoy riding my twenty-nine-er in, in, in on jumps. That cannon jump you guys have there scares the living daylights out of me on a twenty-nine-er. Would I hit it on a twenty-six-inch, fifty-pound glory? My old dial, <laughs> maybe, but maybe. Right, <laughs> probably not, because you got to pedal into that sucker. That's what trail does not give you the speed. But, but, but is a twenty-nine er scary, especially for somebody like me who's riding a medium when I should be on a small, just to try to maximize my straightaway speed? Um, yeah, a twenty-seven-five, I think, is more fun. It's more, it's true. It's more fun. It's more playful. You can do a lot more with it, which is why I think it's better for super slimy technical uh, terrain because you can make quick adjustments with it better than you can into a 29er. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and 29er, fair, once you're going in one direction, you're going in that direction. And to be fair, too, I mean, are we racing? So, the, so Ironton, is it the end of May or, or is it the end of April or May? I forget. It's the beginning of May. May, May, May 2nd. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so we're, so we're right there. So, yes, I mean, there's a good, a fair chance that that is going to be a wet, slimy race. Oh, Lord which which we are absolutely, you know, like, I, I want great conditions. I want great weather. I want to showcase all the awesomeness. But we're throwing something at our racers that they don't get to see a lot, which is different soil, different rock. I mean, you bring someone from Colorado to Ironton, and it's raining? An interesting equalizer. If somebody comes out from, you know, uh, you, you know, I think Ironton's going to be really neat because we're going to see a great turnout of pros from the Georgia area, the Tennessee area, the North Carolina area, who are used to riding this type of terrain, right? Steep, yeah, yeah. slick rock. Wet. And we in Colorado, if it's raining, that's a day off, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so, you know, it'll be real interesting to see if, if the conditions are – I'm. I would love to see, I'll tell you what, in a, in a perfect world, I'd love to see a 70-degree sunny day with it wet in there. <laughs> Safely wet. I, I don't. Hurt. I don't want to ride. I, well, there's one I stage in particular ride. I don't want to ride in the wet. I don't want to race it in the wet. I, I rode it in the semi-damp the other day, and it was scary enough. So, uh, so anyway, I, 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 on that. I, there's a few turns. I don't know how we're going to make the turn. I don't I mean, care how per- slow you try to go. Me personally, I was exponentially faster out here on a 29er, but I, I, I can absolutely see sections of trail I, I'm on where I'm like, boy, this would be great on a smaller bike. And when you're talking at least that one stage that's uh, currently um, built at Ironton, that's a telltale example of a stage that would be probably and remember you got to make it through all the stages you got to so so and that's the thing you you got to think five stages here right we only know one everyone's going to know one stage at ironton but we're going to have two raw stages that no one even is going to get to see right they're not even going to exist until until we open them and and i don't even know if the park's going to be open officially at that point is it oh yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. it'll be open but well, my, my, my point is you've got to get through five stages. And so if if a 27.5 gives you the best bike to make it through all the stages at a consistent pace, then that might be the bike, right? 
That's my only option. It's either that or my 29 or hardtail single speed. That ain't going to work out there. So. You got a race, Kyle? Are you, wait, can we... Kyle, can we get a commitment out of you today to race the B&E uh, in Ireton? I, I can't only, I can't because that'll be about the time my son goes in for a pretty major surgery, and so there's a chance I might make it. Um, but no, I, I would like to race. Um, that, that is going to be as fluffy as I've ever been. So, Dave, I had a baby three weeks ago, uh, and going into winter and having a three-week-old baby at this point, like I'm going to be nowhere near race-shaped, and I've never been in race shape ever. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, baby or no baby, wouldn't matter. No, no, no. But I'm going to be I'm going to be fluffier this season than ever. Uh, but I would like. With that said, I. I I'd like to race it, and if, if Cam is in and out of surgery or months away from surgery at that point, I, I will probably come down and throw my name in the hat anyway. It's just because the trails are so damn good. Yeah, well, you you let you keep us posted, and uh, right. I'm, I'm volunteering my time in labor. I've, I've got you. Don't. I wasn't going to ask you to race. There you go. I say, don't drag I him do, into that. I do have something I've been thinking about, you know, something I've always dreamed of. And if I get it for you, I'm just wondering if you're going to be down there watching. If I get a giant cardboard cutout of my face, will you run around with it and wave it around? You bet it. You bet it. Okay. That's all I wanted. I've I've been thinking about this hard. We got lots of we got stuff to figure out. Oh. Only thing we got to know is where is the Clint <laughs> Sylvie Fan Club? Make sure they know what stage I'm about to go down. That's all we got to know. Where, where's the rock at? Where, where's the shirts off on the rock? I want I want Which a full on DJ party at the top of the mountain. That's easy. You just gotta hire yeah, the DJ. We'll throw a couple generators in the Humvee. Get the Humvee to haul some generators and gas cans up there. Some lights. Some you don't understand how long I've wanted to do this. Uh, honestly, Dave, that seems like the easiest part of this whole thing. Honestly. Oh yeah. If you just find a DJ, it's like yeah, give me some power. I we'll throw I'm, the stuff yeah. in the Hummer trailer. Take it up. Hey, you, you guys got something really special there. It's going to be really neat. I'm, ex- I'm excited. It is going to be. Yeah. It's going to be a party on top of that hill. So so you said early you're coming in a couple weeks to do some more work down there? So so I'm going to come down. Uh, if the weather's good, I'll come down. The i got to be in town next week, a week from today. Um, so I'll come down the 21st because I need to test um, our time. I need to test one of our cell phones for the timing. We do. We have a pretty neat timing system. We we have a uh, real time, um, but it requires a cell phone signal all the way around the mountain. So, um, gotta do. I gotta do a little research. Make Seems sure. like it could be dangerous if if a racer like me could find out how they're doing as the day is going and get to like the last stage and be like, oh, you're only down by a second or two. <laughs> Well, it could do the reverse. It, you, you, you could you could be down like 20 seconds to the person in front of you and and uh, 20 seconds up, and you can just take it easy and make it safe right. and get to the bottom. I think I just won't look. Uh, no. That seems like a bad idea. Okay, I'll, so I'll tell you what. This, the, the amount of uh, the amount of people who followed our live results uh, from Big Sky and Winter Park was amazing. Um, it, it was really neat. People from all over the country were clicking in, seeing out, following the pros on each stage. Um, and we had great, uh, we had Yeti cycles doing uh, content throughout the day at Winter Park. It was really great. We had, we, yeah, it, it's going to be neat. 
It's going to be neat there in Missouri. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. So I, I'm Clinton. Well, you, Clinton will know this, and everybody else does too. That's listening because they all know me. But I'm not much of a racer. But man, I love going to races. This is true. Well, we're uh, we got to figure out where he- heckler the heckler zone is. So sure, it's off on the rock. There's a lot of options <laughs> just on one trail. I'll I just want to we'll hear the there, music yeah. all the way in town from the top of the mountain. <laughs> Dude, you could like be hearing it while you're racing, just going down the hill with the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move into some uh, some fun segments. So Ryan didn't get to do this with us last week, but Ryan, I started a new segment oh. called Dumb Lies. Uh, we tell ourselves as mountain bikers. <laughs> and uh, so last last week, one of my dumb lies I tell myself is a. Uh, if it works for, and then insert whatever pro you want to here. You know, if it works for Richie Rude, then it'll work for me. So talking about like bar width, kind of bike, size of bike. You know, if uh, 740 millimeter bars are good for for a guy winning races, they're good enough for me. Which might be true, but it's also kind of dumb because the comparison is dumb. Kyle's was, you know, his still having this belief that weight is super important on all of his bikes to the extent he put as like a carbon seat on a slope style bike. He like never rides. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I read, jump, like weekly. I read that like weekly now. He, he wrote it. <laughs> so are we going around, are we going around the horn with our, our the lives we came up with? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You want to go first? Yeah. Are we going around like a couple times? Yeah. yeah as many as yeah. it I've got a new one from this past weekend. That's very sad. All right, go ahead. Uh, I'll start off with one I always tell myself. I'm keeping this bike forever. <laughs> there you That's go. That's a good one. That's a good what, – what bike are you on? You've described your bike, but you never actually said what you're riding these days. So um, I, I'm – you know, I'm, I'm always torn. I'm a Yeti homer. I've had Yetis forever. But as you mentioned, I, I feel like I was stuck between the Yeti 130 and the 150. I felt I wanted more than the 130, but the 150 really, you need to be, it's just such a bike that is ridden on the edge, and it's not its not the type of bike that I, I felt suited me. So Eric Pertle set me up with a giant rain, and so I did a full rain buildup with a SRAM XO, um, box suspension. So I'm running 160 in the front and one, was it 147 in the rear? On an, I on believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love it. It's a, it's a, and I built it with a, I run a Tannis core in the rear instead of Kush core. Um, do you so, run the one that has the tube in it or do you run their no, other insert? It came out with one that's tubeless now. Yeah. Most, see that. The reason I started running it is because I run the three zero motos, the wheel, the wheel set three zero motos from uh, a zip. SRAM, and to oh, okay. use their, uh, to you, I, 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 they have the TPMS for you know the uh, tire pressure monitoring system. Oh, you got to do that really? Yeah. With it. Those things and, are sweet. No, I would no, pay two hundred dollars for it. So I totally wrote it off. I was like, this is stupid. I don't need this. And once I started to use it, I am hooked. I rode in Missouri on my Yeti without them, and I was freaking out. I'm like, I can't ride. I don't know my. <laughs> <laughs> There's another lie. That it's sounds fun. like the perfect so, product so for me because I love knowing my tire pressure. <laughs> so Cushcore, you can't run without a special Cushcore valve. 
So the, the Tannis allows me to run the tire whiz valve in the rear. So I run a Tannis rear, but I got the bike down to with everything on it and the cushion co- or and the uh, Tannis and the pedals, I got to 30.7 pounds on a medium. Oh wow! So I don't have a quiver. I, that's my only bike I ride. So. Um, if I'm if I'm climbing up Arapahoe Basin to Lule- Lenaway Trail, I'm on that bike. If I'm, you know, riding Buffalo Creek or whatever, I'm on that bike. So, um, yep, yep. But I, I kept my Yeti 5.5. There was no way in heck I was going to sell my 5.5, and it's in Missouri, um, and it's a it's a great bike. I'd like to get, you know, at some point I'd like to upgrade the rear suspension. I think that was always the Achilles heel. Was that DPA? Was that the DPX two? Yeah. yeah, I'd like to get. I like to put the X2 on it, but other than that, I love the 5.5. I think it's one of the best bikes ever. It does it all. Um, but, yeah, so I'm on the giant rain right now, and I love it. But will I keep it forever? Yes. Uh, what, what, what is the lifetime on <laughs> your bikes? Are, are you a new bike every season, every other season? What do you do? I'm kind of a, I'm a, a two-season, generally two seasons. Okay. Uh, and then I'll get something different. That's good. It's better than me. Well, two seasons. I say two years. I mean, I we I spend all winter. I do a. I used to do a blog called "The Search for the Only Dry Trail" here in Colorado. <laughs> I go to every corner of the state trying to find dry trail. So when I skied, I used to storm chase for where the best snow was, and now I do the exact opposite. I try to find where the snow didn't fall. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so there's my my first. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm totally keeping this bike forever. <laughs> Kyle or Ryan, you wanna you wanna jump in with one? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw this one out there. I'm just gonna throw out one word because I'm looking at my bike. Kashima coating. Kashima yes. coating. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Kashima coating. It just looks it good. It makes a difference. It just looks good. It probably does make a difference. Are we gonna notice it? Not a chance. <laughs> Can I? You, you gotta, gotta have it. Sense. You gotta have it on your dropper post. Oh, that's, no, no, that's no, no, where, no, no, that's no. You gotta have it on the Fox Transfer. I do. I do, and it still doesn't go all the way up. So, so true. <laughs> so, this is totally true story. I've got the full gold. You know, I did. I call it the EP edition, the Eric Pernell edition, because his <laughs> bike looks so good at Baldwin at uh, Baldwin Schwinn, uh, Baldwin Cycles. I saw it there because I had it ordered. And I saw it there. I was like, oh my god, my bike's gonna look just like that. So I I order all the gold. I'm a I'm a SRAM ambassador. I order all the gold XO XO gear, right? Gold chain, gold cassette. Oh, that and is a slick look. Box. And my and my buddy at SRAM goes, "Why aren't you riding all the RockShox stuff?" And I said, "Well, I love your stuff, but at the end of the day, how do you have gold components and no Kashimi coating?" <laughs> that is a good question because. Because because the gold that they did, they, and they even did a copper this year on the SRAM stuff, because uh, I'm a SRAM ambassador too, and, and they did a copper, and it identically matches Kashima coating too, like almost perfect. <laughs> I love an ambassador stuff. I'm, I just got credit for a hundred percent of making a BME happen. I should be I should be getting stuff. Clinton, you gotta start milking it, man. You gotta send emails, bro. You gotta milk it. I do. Emails, I social media. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking well, you, about oh, it. So you, um, yeah, and. Uh, and so, so I always, one of my lines was always, it's not how you ride, it's how you look in the parking lot. Yeah, right. That's, that, that's been getting me through, that's been getting me through my cycling curve for eight years now. Right. Look good, you feel good, right? Look good, you feel good. 
Yeah. Anyway, Frank, if you see me cut, yeah, it, it does help. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> All right, I've got one that I found out about this weekend. Uh, I don't know how to phrase this exactly. It'd be something like, Oh, all the locals here that are not doing this particular jump and or obstacle, it doesn't look that hard. They must just not be that good. That's why they're not doing it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. One broken wheel later, I found out why they weren't doing it. <laughs> because where you Oops. land, there's a big old rock You that just caught the edge of my carbon wheel. Because I run – I mean, I had – uh, heavy tires and a Victoria airliner foam inside that sucker, but it didn't even matter because it caught just like the edge corner of my rim. It wasn't like a straight on impact and kapow. And I ended up not even racing. So, yeah. Um, so if you see a group free of locals, free ride, free ride, free ride, Clinton. Well, I did send it once, fine, I, but I sent it it's, past the rock, and it was really scary, and I almost died because I, I was trying to land over to the right of the trail where there was still dirt instead of dead center was all, like, washed out and just, like, rock, but uh, didn't make it, so I ended up landing in a really scary spot and was just, like, bouncing all over the trail. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go up and try to do that again, but better, and... Um, <laughs> That was the end of my weekend. It was in a Sequatchie. And a lot of, you know, if anybody from Tennessee or anyone who's been there, I know Cass Cruz has been there and Steve. Um, it's the road gap at the bottom of, I think it was the old um, downhills, like GRT. They used to have a G that had a GRT downhill race back there in the day. It's like the very bottom. And yeah, man, that that was a bit of a bummer. Um, I will say, like, I, I want to go back and race there next year. We were visiting friends, but I tell you what, I, I was given an appreciation for um, the trails we're building in Ironton. You know, they they weren't running their full courses and everything, so they weren't using all the elevation. But the design of what I saw, it was great. It was fun. But, man, I was thinking about the way Alex with Jagged Axe designs a trail to, like, go with all the cool stuff on the mountain. And he's always sending you between rocks. And, like, this just felt like these were just trails. Like, they kind of found with where the water ran, and it's just a trail straight down, which is fun in its own right. But uh, I felt like I was just riding the same five actually six stages other than maybe stage the, the one i broke my wheel on the rest it was like five of the same could have been all the same stage just moved around the mountain you get what i'm saying it's all very very similar feel just pretty well just straight down uh, well, it's a lot of the riding, that, but that's what makes some of that riding some of the best in the world. It was you know? fun. Don't get me wrong. It was I, fun. I mean, that is, there's some. It wasn't that, any steeper than what we're rolling with down in Ironton on. No, but they could go but it was, a thousand. <laughs> yeah, they could have had a lot more. They weren't, yeah. I think they were trying to make and it a little more family back off on, You know, and to that point, sometimes you got to back off on the vert. I mean, if you, you do, if you yeah. Talk about, if you talk about Ironton, 
I, was, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, and I said, well, look, there's no shuttles, and there's no lifts. So at the end of the day, if you're pedaling everything, 600 vert times five, you're going to climb 3,000 feet and descend 3,000. That's a worthy day. Um, you know, some, sometimes we'll, we'll have a stage that, yeah, we're, we're known for doing 3,000 foot descents, but we'll have some stages that are um, 800 vert. And, and so the amount of pedaling, the great thing about Ironton too is it's everything's a, everything's um, there's no uh, net gain in climbing. It's a hundred percent where you climb, you're going to descend, and so that's huge, right? It's not like you got to climb three thousand vert to descend one thousand, right? And so at the end of the day, when you balance it out, it's a really it really works out well. One of the things that we had to do though, and people are, have asked me this already, is we've got to do two days of practice for one day of racing. And they're like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I said, well, there's no shuttle. There's no lifts. So are you going to really want to climb and test five stages the day before you're going to have to race the same the same amount? So that way you can show up on Friday, do two or three stages, and then you can show up on Saturday and do two stages. And now you're not t- taxed before the race day, right? So that's kind of why we're doing it like that. Um, that's a lot, man. Sir. What's that? Oh, it's just, just the thought of – that was always one of my downfalls. So I, I have a pretty limited racing career. I've done three Enduros, I guess, and a handful of cross-country racing. You know, and, and, and there's just so much more pre-riding required for Enduro compared to cross-country, whereas cross-country, you kind of know what you're getting into and in that you're just going to have to pedal for 20 miles or 30 miles and you're good. But Enduro, there's just so much more risk-reward factor, higher speeds and stuff like that. So you really do have to know what you're riding ahead of time. And I never had the energy to pre-ride. I never had the energy or two days off of work before the race to pre-ride every single stage. I would either go into it and pre-ride the stages I've never ridden before or never even seen before, like the ones that got raked in like before the race, or just ride, pre-ride the ones that I knew were going to be hard and that everybody told me I should pre-ride. And everything else, I'd, I'd have to ride blind, and it never re- resulted in good results on the finish <laughs> well and it's funny it's funny you mentioned that because you're you're you know i've been it's been i've been around the midwest scene for a long enough time to kind of understand how the cross-country racing work there and and the racing in the midwest was kind of like show up race leave and that's not what enduro is about and so that's why i was nervous about a big time event there and when i saw what what matt johnson did so great at Chubb is he is he he harnessed the vibe and that was key was seeing the vibe because that 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 euphoria after a, 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 a terrible weather day and all of that everyone came back to the award ceremony and that was one of the most reassuring things I saw because Ironson's a commitment you're not going to want to show up on Sunday morning and race these five stages like you would normally do in, a, in maybe a Missouri race. You're going to you're going to want to make a commitment to do it, and if you don't, um, you might decide not to do it. So when I saw that that vibe and that commitment at Chubb, it's really what made me feel like, hey, this area could support a race like like what we're doing. You know, right. because you yeah, to your point, it, it, you should. You're just cheating yourself if you show up the morning of. 
Because right. even, yep. you know, even if you know the course, even if you know these courses, like the back of your hands, you know, our, 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 our trail routers are going to do something different. They're going to do something that you aren't ready for on right. practice day. And, um, um, you know, we might take out a jump you thought was in there. We might, we might have a go around on purpose. Who knows what we do, right? We're going to, we're going to tweak it a little bit. And so, um, yeah, anyway, it, it, it's, yeah, you just want to be there for all the days and, and, and get as much practice as you can without taxing yourself. Sure. That's part of the, that's part of the beauty of Enduro. Kyle, do you have a dumb lie you tell yourself for tonight? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, sure. You're fit enough to do that race. Go ahead. <laughs> it, it, it hasn't been true yet. <laughs> I tell you what, I was actually going to do another segment that uh, Hannah suggested. We might have to save it for another podcast because we're already over an hour on this bad boy. Um, but it's going to be like kind of like would you rather, but mountain biking ones. So I had to be thinking about that. Hers was, since I broke my wheel, she's like, would you rather flat, get a flat on the first stage of a day or break your wheel like you did at the very end of the last stage of the day? You know, that was one of them. Run a cush core and just keep sending it. Dude, when I did it, I didn't even feel it because I had that airliner in there. Yeah. I rode I rode another 30 yards down the trail, just kept going. Like, I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't stop instantly and like i didn't even feel the flat i just it was i'm a believer um so we'll i'll come up we'll, we'll come up with some uh, would you rathers but one more dumb thing i told myself uh, that i found out today um i know a lot about suspension apparently i don't so uh here's here did you guys know this maybe you knew this i didn't know this <clears throat> Which I should have, I should have guessed at this, because the way mountain bike suspension is designed, you know how, you know, with forks, you can get different air springs to change the travel, but it's the same fork body and stanchions, right? Right. And even I found out, like, with Fox, with, like, a Float X2, so my Float X2 for my bike is a 230-millimeter eye-to-eye with a 57.5-millimeter stroke, but with different spacers, you could use that exact same body and 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 eye to eye and and have use the same stanchion and make it a 60 millimeter stroke and I think even a 62.5 and maybe even a 65. I'm not sure. Um, so I started thinking about that and after my big send over the road gap into the rocks, I'm looking at my my little O-ring thing. You know the travel that you know see how much travel you used. And I'm like. Daggum, I didn't bottom out. I didn't bottom out my shock or my fork. What the heck? So I do a little research, and the most obvious thing comes up is just because you, your stanchion is X number of millimeters long, it's, it's more than likely longer than the available stroke before you're, you reach bottom out. So, for, like, on my shock, it's a 50, you know, my, the stroke length I have on the rear shock is 57.5 uh, millimeters. But that actual stanchion, inner stanchion on the shock 
is probably more like 65 millimeters long. And same with my fork. It's 160 mil travel, and I've been ta- I took spacer out, and I'm like, man, I'm never using full travel. There's like a there's always like almost a centimeter left. So I actually get out the measuring tape today, figure out 160 millimeters. Turns out I've been bottoming out plenty all the time. Oh, no. Thinking I had extra travel in reserve because I'm using the full 160, but at full 160 on a Fox 36, there's still about a centimeter's worth of stanchion left. Yeah, it'll go It'll go just to the Kashimi uh, logo. On the shock, yes. <laughs> on the, on the shock, right about the on, – on the rear shock, it's 150 mil travel for the bike, but the – you know, the way that's for the rear wheel moving, the shock itself, it's a third of that, you know. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, man, I had – I'd been bottoming it out. And so now I'm sitting here, I'm, like, taking everything apart, putting volume spacers back in. Like, <laughs> so apparently I know nothing. Um, so maybe you're out there. You can relate. You think you know a lot. Uh, you might not. Yeah, I just embarrassed you. are uh, always tinkering with them. Uh, Clayton, well, we are, Dave, you and I. Clayton, what's is. that? Yeah, you, you guys are. These these two don't. They don't. Well, touch if there's if there if there is one piece of equipment on my bike that is a set it and forget it, it's my rear shock. Like set it up, give it the old jump bounce a couple of times, ride it off the curb, never touch my shock again. I'll play with my fork and every other thing on the bike. The shock is just is what it is. You guys know what settings I'm at on my bike? Well, well I'm sure you don't. I built it almost two years ago. <laughs> I was going to say, do you know what settings are on your bike? No, I don't. I don't. It's I can tell you how many clicks I got. Actually, I think I have it in my notes on my phone, and I'll tell you what date I wrote those in there. <laughs> yeah, all, all I know is when I let Clinton borrow my bike, it comes back scratched to hell in a suspension. Feels way better. Okay, I'll take the suspension credit. <laughs> you, it, I don't know about that other part. I mean, Feb- other than 5th. the the February fifth, two thousand eighteen. That's the the and I bought the bike on February fourth. Have you checked wow. the air pressure in them even? In the tires? Shock. Oh yeah, yeah. I checked that. Okay, okay. I was gonna say sometimes on the certain shocks like. Uh, if you got a DVO or the 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 Trek Reactive through shaft deluxe um, that they had on like 2019 and 2020, the little IFP charger you have to that'll actually kind of go down over time a little bit. You got to check that crap, but I don't have that shock anymore. I got a Float X2 from somebody that's apparently a, a team rider for Fox that wasn't supposed to be selling it. <laughs> so when I gave Fox the code. They were like, are you sure about that code? I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah. As a team rider, um, you shouldn't be able to get that shock. Who'd you get it from? I'm like, I don't know, some guy from Canada. <laughs> I wouldn't. I honestly don't know who the rider was because I guarantee the guy that sold it to me was not the guy. Like, the guy. The original, the original guy, yeah. It was brand new, though. I mean, it really was a brand new shock, but. It was definitely custom set up for somebody because it came full, like, maxed out spacers and stuff, which normally is not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? 
Got to take advantage of that uh, Canadian-U.S. exchange rate, man. <laughs> That's true. All right, Dave, I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, you guys got any other uh, any other burning questions you wanted to ask real quick? Well, I don't know if I have any that wouldn't get you in trouble. So I'll, I'll plead the fifth if I have to. <laughs> Um, you sure? Fire away. Okay. Do you ever see getting a BME in, like, Tennessee? I'm not, doesn't even have to be Windrock. I know Windrock is... No, no, there's no more places that, that could have BME length trails, at least. I don't know for sure, but why, why aren't there any on the east side of the state? Well, so this, this isn't one that's going to get me into trouble at all. To be honest... We respect all of the organizers who put on enduro racing, whether it be uh, uh, Nico or, you know, the guys up, up in the Northeast, um, um, Dustin. Um, I reached out because I, I, I – look, guys, I've been doing this a long time, and it's we're – we're a small community. We're not competitors. We all want to grow the sport of enduro. Um it's it's important. We we are we, we are not getting more enduro type trails. You know what you're doing in Ironton is special. It really is. It's not what municipalities are building. It's not what bike parks are building. Um, it's not the money maker, right? It's the flow trails. But we don't want to race on flow trails, as you know. We want to race on stuff like Ironton and Windrock, and um, and and. Um, Big Sky and Trestle Bike Park and Glorietta and stuff. And so um, we're a small knit community, and we knew that if we were going to do an event east of Colorado, we needed to give everybody the heads up. And so we reached out and called all the organizers and gave them a heads up before we posted anything online and told them our intentions. Um, is working with Nico in the future a possibility? Yeah. But I, I think we want to see how – our, we, we want to see how this event goes in, in Ironton. We want to see, um, you know, we don't want to do a 10-race series. We're not looking to redo the Norba Nationals from the 90s and 2000s. We don't, we don't want 10 races and all of this stuff. To me, five is perfect. And if those five always rotate and always change, and we can go from the East Coast to the West Coast, and it's five races across, and... You can drop three of the five races, so you don't have to go. You do Ironton, you do Winter Park, and you do New Mexico, maybe, and then you skip two. You know, that's what we want. We don't want a a a, uh, a ten race. That's not our goal. Our goal is to make special races at special locations and introduce them to. We, we think we have a great like when we were at Big Sky and we were at Winter Park, we had a lot of Californians. How neat will it be to see Californians racing in Missouri? right? Or Coloradans racing in Missouri. So take that one step further. How neat will it be to see some of those people from um, uh, California and Colorado go even a little further east and vice versa? Those folks, we, we had a quite a, we had a number of uh, Southeast Enduro racers come out to Big Sky. They yeah, I, know a lot of, I remember, I know a lot of folks from the Texas and, crew and, and, so and even the Bills crew go. That's what we're trying to do. We're, we, we want to um, have a, a, a very niche, a, a, a very special 
series that really is the essence of Enduro, and it's it's our, our locations are handpicked, and we want to make sure we have a great diversity. And if you do ten races, you're just not going to be diverse. But if you do five, you're going to get a lot of people from all over the country, and you get to test them on different different courses. And that's what we wanted in different locations. So that's so to answer your question, I could absolutely love to see one east of Missouri. Um, but we're going to work with the local organizer who does a wind rock or does a uh, you know something out there. So we wouldn't do we wouldn't do anything in anybody's backyard without uh, talking to everybody first and making sure everybody was involved. Well, can you say it one more time for the Kyle in the back about how we don't need more flow trails? Is how it's ruining the sport because. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say that's his I'm not going to say it's ruining the sport. I, I won't. I won't go there. Um, I'm an advocate for enduro, and the fact is, is we don't get more world class level enduro trails being built. It's it's just not happening. I'm not going to say that that I mean flow trail and those types of trails are introducing millions of people to the sport of mountain biking. It feels you know, massive. What's that? It appeals to the masses. It, it does appeal to the masses, and, and it also gets municipalities and other organizations with deeper pockets than any of us to invest in mountain biking and create incredible networks for their communities and get people outdoors and riding and all of that great stuff. Um, but I'm an advocate for Enduro, and I work with Big Mountain Enduro, and our business is Enduro, and we're all here for Enduro. And at the end of the day, we are not getting more trails. Amen. And and so Iron <laughs> is building these types of trails, and that that's why we're going there. Um, we feel that that is we feel enduro is you know a specific type of our enduro courses need to like I said to open up the whole the whole uh, segment. Um, we look for a very specific type of course and and, and location. And Ironton fits that bill for us. All right, Ryan. I think you were you were trying to jump in with something to say there. <laughs> no, I, I, it's good. Yeah. So I, I I know what you want me to say. I I, I don't believe huh? that. <laughs> I I don't believe that. I I just would like to see better balance coming out of our municipal and. I would just like to see better balance coming out of the people who are investing so heavily into the sport. How's that? Right. Yeah, well, to be honest sense. with you, I mean, like this, this, this project in Ironton is going to show that to other municipalities, though. I mean, that if they build it, you know, professional, you know, promoted trail, you know, races, you know, Big Mountain Enduro Series are going to be attracted to having that style of trail built. So, I mean, I think for your series, you know, like you said, there's nobody else doing it right now, whereas a municipality paying for such a unique trail system to be built that would appeal to professional level enduro racing that, you know, when they see, when, when places see that having a BME in Missouri happen because they had the right trails on the right terrain, I can only imagine that'll be a good selling point across the country for places to spend their money the right way. Well, you know, that's that's a huge point, and, and it goes to Big Sky, right? Big Sky, uh, amazing enduro courses, but yet they need to build the money-making courses too, like, uh, trails like the, the flow trails. But the impact we had at Big Sky from a lodging standpoint and a media standpoint, the impact we had there on their bike park and their notoriety was enough for their 
invite the park manager to go, well, we need to keep, we need to keep building these types of trails or furthermore, they just need to maintain what they have. And that's another problem is we're losing these trails because a lot of times when you go in, you guys don't have to deal with a forest service, but a lot of times when you go in as a bike park and you want to build a new flow trail, they'll make you reclaim something from a long time ago. Well, those long time ago trails are usually the best enduro courses, right? <laughs> and so they get so so. Not only do we not get a new trail, we might actually lose one. Oof. So this is this is happening, and um, um, you're exactly right. That's what we want to show. We want to show that like we're not we're, we're as enduro racers and enduro riders. We're not asking the whole mountain be built. <laughs> you know, double, triple black or whatever, straight down fall line and all of that stuff. All we're asking for is balance. And and a lot of and 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 to bring in enduro riders who understand what an enduro course is because man-made tech is not the same thing as what we all like. So you gotta find that 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 balance there. You know, just because your trail building company is doing a green, a blue, and a black doesn't mean they're building the right you know, diamond, black sure. diamond, right? So, yeah. Alex has just such a good right. eye for that stuff. Yes, he does. He does. Alex. And if you Alex. want to hear more about that, I did a podcast with him a couple weeks ago, yeah. so it is in our list. If, you miss, if you've missed that, go listen to it. Um, just for randos out there. Uh, Alex is the man. <laughs> yeah, he is the man. Well, we're going yeah. pretty long. Um, yeah. I think we're going to have to call it. I uh, just want to remind everyone that uh, they can send us ideas for podcasts. If there's something they want to know about, something for us to research, uh, add us on Facebook. Just look up the World's Okayest Mountain Bike Podcast or OKSMTB at gmail.com. Um, also want to remind everyone that Dave did say I get 100% credit for this race happening. <laughs> Don't want you to forget that. Uh and that Ryan is going to be there with a giant cut out of my face. Uh, these are all things we all agreed on. So, you know, you know, you know there's the record a whole show. Of, uh, people who have been. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, I know. I mean, we could, I mean, from. Okay, yeah. People have done a lot more work than you've I got have. Stoltz, you've got the mayor. You've got Chuck. You've got Steve Friedman, Jeff Powell. Uh, I mean, it's just Matt Johnson. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I know we, him. And we. We will make sure to praise them, but... Yeah. Dave, you're missing the point. Tonight is all about Clinton. Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Much like... Much like this podcast, it was my idea to start with. I'm just saying, they didn't know anything about mountain biking down there. I just got lucky. I talked to the right person. Lucky's the right word. You have a gem down there. It's, It's really neat. We're, right. we're excited as heck. May May second, we'll have we'll have registration live. Uh, January the first week of January, all of our all of our events will go live. We hope to announce our fifth venue here as soon as possible, um, and uh, we'll kick it all off in Ironton in uh, late April, early May. Hey, hey Dave, to uh, where can listeners find out about Big Mountain Enduro? BigMountainEnduro.com. Easy enough. And and uh, like like us on Facebook and um, Insta, and uh, um, it'll be uh, 
yeah, we, we do a lot of updates, but BigMountainEnduro.com will have all the lodging links, registration links, um, everything will be will be posted there. So. All right. Well, that's it, fellas. I'm going to call the time right about now. Thanks for listening.